0: quite haunting that is haunting mm. yeah that's spooky is this a live frog or the the ghost of some deceased frog well,
1: i i i'm not sure to be to be
0: I, I i can't confirm either way that is a bizarre sound uh i can't decide whether i think that's a small frog or a big frog um i'm going to say I'm guessing it's a, it's a bit closer to home little, than a lot of the other frogs we've had. Oh, okay. Oh my word. Okay. Is it going to be something which I should actually? Oh, oh it's I not I that close now. <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say I've never heard that noise. I was thinking maybe it could be like a natterjack toad or something. but No,
1: but interestingly, I was considering natterjack toad as one of the options. it's But it's not. That I can tell
0: you. A little bit closer to home, but not on the British Isles is the impression I'm getting so maybe it's a frog from France is it the edible frog it's it's not the edible frog I'm pretty sure that is a frog Uh, there's a lot of frogs that are called edible frog I have a horrible feeling uh... yeah there's one called Pelophylax Esculentus Esculentus which is the European edible frog but no it's it's not, it is European though so Okay. European
1: fire-bellied toad.
0: Bombina, oh, amazing. Bombina. Okay, cool. Bombina, bombina. Well, that's nice. They're very colourful little creatures. Sort of warty, bright-bellied little... Oh, they're exceptionally gorgeous little fellas. Yeah. Oh, that's nice. Yeah, I enjoyed that. I, I'm, I have actually seen... Well, I've seen them in captivity a lot. I don't think I've... I've never seen one in the wild. I've never heard that. I've certainly never heard that sound before. Yeah, it's spooky, isn't it? It is spooky, yeah. Very weird. It would be quite a uh, quite a thing to be out hearing that in the night time. Yeah. When the toads are about. And they're furious. And are they explosive breeders, Ben, or are they sort of more Ooh. holding a territory? I'm guessing explosive.
1: Bombina, bombina. Um, let's, let's
0: have a look. And now we know about this fantastic resource called Amphibia Web, where when you don't know anything about an amphibian, you can ask this website and it'll tell you what there is to know. <laughs> You'll be
1: bitterly disappointed most of the time.
0: Yeah, I don't see anything about how they got the kind of breeding they do. They're explosive breeders in a certain sense, it says here. Okay, yeah. Oh. Apparently Bombina Bombina has a complex territorial breeding system.
1: So the answer is, are they explosive breeders or are they sort of spread out territorial breeders? The answer is Yes.
0: <laughs> yeah. It says in this paper I just found male Bombina variegata an explosive breeder in the field okay that's not a good sentence in the field male B variegata an explosive breeder is less selective about its mates than B bombina which has a complex territorial breeding behavior. Mm, okay. So it sounds like they yeah. And it said in one of these things that Bombina orientalis another one of their toads I don't know what the common name is but it, it's unusual because it makes a sound both on the inhalation and the exhalation, which is apparently not what most frogs and toads do. Hmm. They do it on the exhalation.
1: So all sorts of mysteries lie in the genus Bombina,
0: then? Bombina, Bombina. What a lovely little toad sound, even if it does sound like a ghost.
1: Yeah. But that's that's a wonderful introduction from Bombina for episode 111. And if you are surprised, you're listening to herpetological Highlights. Uh, I'm Ben Marshall, and co-hosting, as always, is Tom Major over there.
0: <laughs> it's really hard to crowbar the intros in after the frockles, isn't it? <laughs> well, the
1: frockles, are, oh, you, just, you just get whisked away to this beautiful land that's covered in screaming
0: ghostly bombinas.
1: And, uh, mm. yeah.
0: But what are we talking about today when we're not talking about bombina bombina? We're talking about sea turtles, actually, which is pretty refreshing. <laughs> we haven't done a sea turtle curveball. Completely <laughs> careful, yeah, you'd never guess. And sea turtles actually don't make a sound. They're one of nature's very few animals that are completely silent. Is that true? I don't know. I think it might be. i don't. never heard one make a noise. What noise would they make? Maybe they make a noise underwater when they're communicating well, with each other. I was wondering if
1: it's something that's very difficult to hear for our ears, but they also don't strike me as a particularly vocal
0: group of animals. No, they seem pretty calm. Yeah. Yeah. But anyway, this paper is by Robinson, Highland, Bukes, Vettan, Mabedicate, Jabado, Rona, Pierce, Bavastock. 2021. Satellite tracking of rehabilitated sea turtles suggests a high rate of short-term survival following release, published in PLOS One. So we're talking about wildlife rehabilitation. The key thing is it's this temporary care of injured wildlife. So you find some wildlife, it's been injured, Uh, In the case of turtles, commonly that's they're getting caught up in fishing lines. You know, it might not even be active fishing lines. It's what we call ghost gear. So some nets have broken off in a storm. They're drifting aimlessly through the ocean. Turtle bumps into it. It hasn't co-evolved with netting, so it doesn't know what to do. Gets stuck. Somebody on a passing boat sees the turtle, scoops it out of the water, takes it to a rehabilitation center where it has a chance to swim around in a pool, healing its wounds. And in the hopes of being released once it's been fully rehabilitated so the only problem with this is that is a really nice idea and i think everyone who finds or sees you know there's countless videos online now of sea turtles in perilous situations being rescued by humans and it's great it's like oh that's really nice it's good to see that humans care about the turtle take it into captivity look after it for a bit but there is kind of this question surrounding these rehabilitated turtles of do they actually go back into the world and behave like turtles or are they just kind of this permanently damaged sort of creature which will never go back to behaving normally and is kind of you know a bit of a waste of effort for people to get healthy again and, and re-release. Yeah.
1: Which, if the, if the damage would be very can't sad. be, can't be rectified or uh, can't, uh, yeah, can't basically can't return to the wild. It would be it would be a horrible situation. You'd have all these all these turtles that would be saved and then had to be, I guess, kept in captivity for exceptionally long periods of time. You know, for the rest of their lives. Turtles live quite a long time. It would be, it'd be concerning on a number of number of levels and ways. Yeah.
0: Yeah, exactly. You don't, but equally, you don't want to be re-releasing turtles that are just going to go out and die anyway. So, so um, this study actually takes place in the Arabian Gulf, which is this shallow sea averaging.
1: I was not familiar with the Arabian Gulf because it's also known as the Persian Gulf. So, if people are like, "Oh, Arabian Gulf," where's that? It's same name for the Persian Gulf, which I I Ah. was not familiar. There were two names for the same place. It it tricked me (laughs) initially.
0: (laughs) Highly confusing. Um, but it's the shallow sea only averages about 30 meters deep. It's really warm. It's the warmest sea in the world, but it also experiences a large fluctuation in temperature down to like 10 degrees in the winter and up to close to 40 degrees in the summer, uh, probably because it's so shallow. Um, but it is a sea which contains extensive seagrass beds. There's also mangroves, salt marshes, coral reefs, and turtles that are found in this area with any kind of damage, you know, ranging from cold shock. To like boat strike, general
1: was was boat strike up a
0: lot. Yeah, the net thing, which I mentioned, some of them just are debilitated, so they're found in a seemingly weak, listless condition, and they bring them in and sort of give them a bit of TLC. And the people doing this in this paper are called the Dubai Turtle Rehabilitation Project, and this is a project which has rehabilitated over one thousand eight hundred sick and injured sea turtles from around this Arabian or Persian Gulf, um, and yeah, they've released. 1800 turtles back into the world so the fact that there's this dubai turtle rehabilitation project means that there's a a large number of turtles which are being rehabilitated and then being re-released which is great because if you're a scientist looking to study turtles turtles are quite hard to catch sometimes so it's nice to have this sort of population that are being re-released and what they did was they stuck gps transmitters on the turtles that were being released bit of epoxy glue that on there and they set them to ping off and tell them what the turtle was doing after it was released back into the wild. Every time the turtle breaches the water to breathe, a little ping goes off to the satellite and the researchers find out where the turtle was in the world. The sad, the only sad thing about this is because obviously they're set to ping whenever they break the water, so they're not pinging non-stop. They're pinging sort of every maybe, I don't know, 20 minutes, half an hour, whenever the turtles are taking a breath. They could actually tell if something was going on with the turtle, if it wasn't very well, because suddenly, instead of pinging every so often when the turtle breathes, it would start pinging constantly, and that meant the turtle was floating on the surface yeah. and dead. Or being caught up in something, or, or,
1: you know, the t- tags that become detached just sink and therefore don't transmit. They the sink, I was going to say that. Yeah, they <laughs> so do. They do sink, no. yeah. Uh, unfortunately, uh, continuous uh, data collection from a tag would mean... A
0: dead floating turtle. We got a floater. So, they've got a bunch of sea turtles and of different species. I mean, if you, yeah, that's what I was gonna say. If you live in the Gulf or near the Arabian Gulf, Persian Gulf, you are spoiled for the diversity of turtles that you've got in your area. The uh, this study contained twelve hawksbill turtles, eleven loggerhead turtles, two green turtles, and one olive ridley turtle. Um, and like we said you know these are turtles which are being re-released after having various ailments um, some of which have actually been had damage so bad to their flippers that they've had to have them amputated at least one one I think I think they all had one flipper amputated right no more than one yeah
1: I think so Um, how many did we have here? one two three of the ones that died very
0: early and then yeah I think
1: seven individuals overall
0: with amputee status yeah yeah. But I mean, what was cool about that is that, you know, they got all these GPS locations for the turtles. And it did seem as though the turtles, which had undergone amputations as a result of their injuries, actually behaved quite similarly to their non-amputee counterparts. Um, You know, sometimes some, some of them even swam further and dispersed faster than non-amputee turtles, which is great. And that is despite the fact that being an amputee is one of the things which keeps the turtles in the rehabilitation center for longest. Mm-hmm. It takes a long time to recover from that injury, but yeah, it's just great to see that even though they've lost a flipper, they can still operate pretty much as normal.
1: Yeah, I think um, so. They'll, they'll go. We'll chat about some comparisons, but um, it is worth noting that three of their amputee ones were three of the ones that died. So, if you were looking at just the mortality rates of amputee turtles versus non, you know, it's a, it's a small sample, so it's a little bit it's a little bit tricky. But um, I don't know, I don't know.
0: It, yeah, so they but they they were slightly more likely to die, I, but those that survived seem to be doing normal right. That's
1: or at least that's the way it seemed to be for me. Is if they if they mm. can sort of get beyond this sort of initial period, they seem to be doing fine. So, yeah. right, but it. Yeah, that's not the study wasn't looking that as such because they didn't have a sort of balanced sample for looking at that really. Um, mm. I think it's more just getting an idea of how these turtles are reacting post rehabilitation, rehabilitation to make sure things
0: are sort of going relatively normally, right? Yeah, totally. So, should we give people an idea of the kind of things that turtles got up to when they were tracked?
1: Yeah, yeah. So, what, you you mentioned we've got three different species and. I'm. I'm. To be. To be fair, I don't even know how to describe the differences between them, really. But um, do we want to go from species by species?
0: Well, or I mean, I think to be honest, like when you look at the maps that they produced, all the turtles are swimming around over quite large distances, aren't they? Let's take an example from the loggerhead turtles, which actually seem to move the most out of all the species. Yeah, um, does, and were those
1: ones the ones that went all the way up to like Kuwait and all the way sort of round the? Uh, Nero man as well.
0: Yes. Yes. Yeah, yeah, so yes, the loggerheads are kind of unique in that they don't think they actually breed on the beaches around the Arabian Gulf. So they're probably just visiting and hunting in these waters. And that is one of the key differences between loggerheads and the other species of turtle in this study is that loggerheads are largely carnivorous um they'll actually eat squid and crabs and all that kind of stuff so the likelihood is that they have to be traveling greater distances in order to find their prey you know as compared to like a green sea turtle or an olive ridley which are quite happy to graze on corals and seagrass but just to give people an idea um uh let's pick out an example from the loghead turtles so we've got a turtle here called schwab and this turtle was tracked for 214 days and covered 2,700 kilometers, traveling an average of sort of 13 kilometers a day, which is pretty typical um, for for the species. Um, I think the mean was about 15, 15 kilometers per day. So, you know, they're, they're pretty active little guys. Yeah, that's a long distance. It's a lot of swimming. Yeah. yeah. I don't know about you. I've, I've never swum 15K, but then again, I don't have flippers um yeah <laughs> so that kind of explains that well, one but yeah and so then, which
1: which that was the loggerheads you were, you were talking about there yeah. loggerheads yeah so the amputee example there too did cover two kilometers over its tracking period which puts it pretty centrally in the uh in the sort of grand scheme of ones that uh, were rehabilitated so that's, that's pretty impressive. That it's,
0: the, that was a amputee loggerhead, was it? Yeah,
1: yeah. They had one amputee loggerhead that did just over two kilometers, and the overall mean for the for all of the loggerheads was like two point three kilometers for distance uh, distance covered. And it's not like that one in was what, tracked in what, for in what time frame is that's that? That's twenty seven days. So it was one of the longer tracked ones. Um, two
0: kilometers in twenty seven days. I've got 2,000 kilometers in 27 days.
1: You're right. It should be 2,000 kilometers. What am I th- saying? <laughs> yeah. I'm so not used to working in kilometers, I'm automatically dividing stuff. <laughs> oh, yeah. We're talking about it in kilometers. Divide yeah. everything by pounds. If you traveled two kilometers a month, I'd be like, how did it not drip better <laughs> yeah. than that? Yeah, sorry. Whereas you had a, a non amputee uh, individual tracked for the same amount of time, covered 4,500 kilometers.
0: That is a long yeah. way. That is a really long way. In the same amount of time, right? In 27, 27 days.
1: days. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So these things are not mucking around. No. These turtles and the are amputation
1: cruising. is not apparently slowing it
0: down. No. And then you look at the movements of hawksbill turtles, and they seem to be much more focused in the sea uh, off the United Arab Emirates. They're not moving as far. They seem to be more focused around the like coral reefs and the nice uh, seagrass beds just off the coast. Yeah,
1: you had a couple that ventured a bit further, but sort of then settled down or returned and then settled down. So it's, hmm. yeah, maybe sort of finding their way, finding a finding a good place to chill out again before before settling.
0: It's just amazing to me that these turtles do these things. Like, what an amazing creature to travel. over such a sh- you know. short time period. You know, a couple, yeah. a couple okay, of weeks. follow a turtle for a month. What do you think it gets yeah. up to? you probably just mooching around. Wrong. It's traveling nearly 5,000 kilometers in some cases. And that's the horizontal distance, right? So that doesn't right. incorporate the fact that in through that time they'll be diving and submerging again. And so, yeah, they're, they're, they're doing a lot of stuff. It's amazing how far you can get when all you eat is seagrass. Yes, <laughs> hey, it's, it's, yeah, you've got to eat a lot of seagrass. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, they, yeah, they must be heavy into that seagrass. So, um, yeah, I think, that, to be honest, I think reading this paper, obviously, we mentioned at the start, there's been suggestion that sea turtles which have undergone this rehabilitation process, and I mean, you know, it's probably quite an easy thing for detractors of wildlife rehabilitation to be like, well, those turtles are permanently damaged, you know, what's the point? It's a load, of, it's a waste of time. But actually, the the paper, they, the evidence they suggest here, they, they present here, um, I mean, looking, you know, they don't actually have a comparison between turtles which have been rehabilitated I think, and haven't. Yeah, which that, would that would have been,
1: be, been the the real killer is if we saw those stu- saw that stuff side by side.
0: Um, yeah, but just as a sort of absolute non turtle expert, looking at these maps, certainly these the behavior of these turtles and the fact that they're surviving for so long suggests that they are at least exhibiting some kind of normal normality the in their behavior. And the majority are surviving too. Like, that's yeah. the other thing. I, I... Yeah, I think it would be great to see that these turtles were not only surviving, but also reproducing. If you could evidence that, that would be incredible. Mm. But um one thing that I think once that study happens where you can have a comparison, it would be great to be able to use rehabilitated turtles in the studies of turtle movements just as turtles. Because I think one of the things they find hard in these studies is actually finding turtles of different ages and sexes. Because it's really easy to study female turtles, large females, you because when they come on the nest, come on on the to beach. land. Yeah. 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 You wait on the beach with your head torch when it comes on to lay its eggs. I mean, they go into almost like a sort of catatonic state when they're laying their eggs. They don't really notice anything. So you can just stick a transmitter on them then. But obviously, you don't get that opportunity with either juvenile turtles or males. Mm-hmm. So if you can use rehabilitated turtles as a means of finding out more about the turtle species themselves, it would be a massive boon to turtle researchers.
1: Potentially. Yeah. You've got to take into account that are you getting a biased sample towards ones which are more likely to get caught up in scenarios that need rehabilitation? So there's that. Um, Yeah. But, you know, I think the other important point about the value of rehabilitation in this example that they highlighted a couple of times is when you're dealing with populations or subpopulations that are already very small and have limited genetic uh, diversity, any individual that you're helping to keep in the, uh, in the sort of breeding population is going to benefit that population way more than just, oh, there's another turtle. Like it has this additional diversity uh, benefit. That's, that's going to be felt very acutely if it's a very small population. Because, you know, one individual relative is a bigger deal. Unless, you know, if it was a yeah. bigger population, okay, it wouldn't be as big a deal because you've got, you know, it's one out of a hundred compared to one out of ten or whatever. Yeah. So, yeah, big big deal that the rehabilitation seems to be, you know, sufficient to get these turtles back back and going.
0: I like what you said about... Uh... Is this sample biased towards turtles which have just got themselves into a pickle? Yeah. Like, and I like that idea. Imagine that would be another cool thing to come out of future studies where they have more turtles which haven't had accidents. Like, are oh, turtles which have had accidents more accident prone in the yeah, future?
1: Yeah, a certain yeah, a sort that of tendency, like, Or do they can,
0: learn avoidance, essentially?
1: Are they better at avoiding these things? That would be things? amazing. Does that trauma sit in them and uh, they become yeah. more cautious as a, as a result?
0: Yeah, that would be amazing. Like, I've been caught in a net now. My awareness of nets is so keen. I'm going to avoid nets in the future. Yeah. That would be fascinating. But that would need that your would pure, really cool.
1: unbiased sample to compare. Like, that's that's the kick of the exact issue that you're drawing attention to, <laughs> is the issue yeah, that's preventing is that study yeah. to be confident that there is a difference or a change.
0: Mm. But, uh, yeah, really nice to read about. A total success story and yeah, just good to know that all those, you know, because it's a huge endeavor. Loads of people are employed by these places. Loads of dedicated people probably get paid peanuts to look after turtles for a living. And I imagine them reading this paper and seeing that, yeah, you know, these turtles that we broke our backs to rehabilitate have actually gone out and done turtle stuff for significant periods of time after release. Yeah, It's just really rare that we actually get such a nice sort of good news vibe from a paper that we read. It's usually like, oh, this animal is so imperiled. This animal is this. You know, oh, it's newly described, but it's it's critically endangered because it lives in an area where there's loads of logging and arson or something like that to hear that the turtles actually come back out and swim about and do normal turtle things after rehabilitation is really great fun. yeah it's usually so we're we talking
1: we're talking 23 turtles were out and about still surviving doing good um i think they had four sorry five mortalities um but like i said three of those five were amputees and three of the five like didn't survive like a very very short t- time period um, there's only really one that yeah. was you know survived a long period and then died so i don't know there's a lot more there's a lot more going on here i mean there's there's sort of maybe different types of rehabilitation having different success rates and stuff but when you're sitting on a sample of 23 seem to be doing great Versus five that didn't make it, it seems like whatever you're doing is doing pretty damn well. <laughs> and like mm. any improvements, you know, there's always going to be improvements, but they I don't know, I don't know. It feels like there's not a huge amount to improve other than potentially stuff that we've talked about that is more subtle in terms of like total well being and maybe sort of future likelihood to get caught up in things. You know, sort of mm. not just the survival, but like, less tangible things.
0: Yeah, I did enjoy some of the names they gave the turtles in this study. I found it quite sort of um, morbidly humorous that one of the ones that died was called Lucky. Yeah, yeah, that's sad. I liked the other... Yeah, it was a bit sad. So there was um, Lucky... uh, There was a hawksbill turtle called Torpedo, which I thought was pretty cool. And I think there was a... Yeah, a loggerhead turtle that was called Kusk. (laughs) Cousteau <laughs> after Jacques Cousteau which I liked um yeah some good names I think yeah yeah naming your study animals is fun but it also could lead to increased sad
1: <laughs> that or orb, if you're doing behavior stuff you've got to be a little bit careful if certain names are connected with uh interpreting behavior certain ways
0: ah yeah like what if you had a little one called uh mm, I don't know danger you might think you might be predisposed to thinking it was reckless, right. though.
1: So you gotta, you know, stuff like that.
0: Ben's like, they are all numbers. Well, no, just, no, no, that's, not, that's really yeah, not, no. fair, especially for
1: something like this, because there's so much more than that. Yeah. And this is this is, yeah, you know, this is data coming out of numerous projects which are not science first. Presumably, they are protect the turtles first. So, yeah, the totally. li- These no, people I d- are conservationists. there's no reason to. Uh, not give them names in these cases because it's you know you're looking at the name isn't going to change your interpretation of three thousand kilometers or not well no yeah i, mean, I suppose it could but at the point you, you you know that's the whole point of some of the stats is to uh,
0: yeah so i think that draws our episode on turtles to a close uh, it's been a while since we've done one so that was fun um do you have any other business
1: um No, but we got a little... So, I don't know when this episode will be coming... No, it'll be coming out... So, by the time this episode is out, um, our paper on spider-slash-arachnid trade will be out and about and readable. That was in... What was it in Communications biology, I think? So, that's exciting. If you want to learn about what spiders are being sold and where they're coming from and general like grasping at straws trying to work out what on earth's going on with the arachnid trade then you can check that out i know it's not herpetological but uh if you take herpetological just to be things that crawl then spiders scorpions and uh like little whip scorpion like creatures do
0: definitely crawl as much as some (laughs) herps. yep no i mean tenuous but we'll allow it it. yeah that's the other connection is it's me being involved in the paper yes and you are a herpetologist so it's therefore yeah no i think it's it's legit it sounds cool i haven't seen that yet so i'll check that out and uh, yeah i put a link in the show notes so people can uh, uh, you know i think a lot of there is a lot of overlap between people who are interested in reptiles and amphibians and people who are interested in spiders they say they tend to be the sort of same people so yeah i'm sure there'll be lots of interested parties yeah
1: well we'll see, we'll see what happens hope people cool. at least find it interesting
0: Great stuff. All right. Well, uh, I think in that case that we've pretty much done. So if you want to get in touch with us, you can herp highlights at gmail.com. We're on social media and you can contribute to the podcast via our Patreon, slash herp highlights. And something we haven't said for ages and ages and ages, but I keep hearing our other podcasts I listen to. If you could leave us a review on your podcast app, apparently it's good. Ben always laughs because he doesn't think it well, is good. Well, no, he I think don't. It I, 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 just, Do I it. just love that there's this
1: this wonderful hidden mystery nobody knows quite how the reviews translate into
0: yeah. uh, getting you know spreading the word or whatever hey we've got five stars on spotify though that's great so even just click five stars on Spotify. A, no, app. it is don't,
1: genuinely appreciated I'm don't more try just... and
0: click four stars because the four star doesn't work it won't work if you click four it only works if you click five <laughs> yeah
1: no i'm more just cynical of <laughs> the mechanisms as opposed to
0: the actual reviews i massively appreciate Yeah. So, yeah. Thanks a lot for listening and see you next time.
1: Thanks for listening.